to Pop the Question, a podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannonia Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Clay Foster Weber, Honors Program and Star Scholar Alum, who graduated from Drexel with a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science. And we're going to talk about the film Ratatouille. Hey, Clay, how are you? I'm well. I'm excited to start cooking with you. That's amazing. Well, I'm excited to talk with you. I've been waiting a long time. Did you ever think five years ago that you would be talking about Ratatouille at a podcast out of your university? No, but (laughs) as a queer person, me and my roommate sit down and just discuss like the impact things have had on culture. That's all we talk about. So it's like, what did it really do for us? So for the one person who may never have seen Ratatouille, Give us a brief sum. The biggest subversion of expectation in society, I feel like, is something that shouldn't be doing something, doing something. Like a rat cooking. And then also on top of that, family, (laughs) high cuisine, French influence. It's a rat that wants to make an omelet, okay? That's all he wants to do is sit down and make a nice omelet like the rest of us. Oh, Gusteau was right. Oh, mm, yeah. Oh, amazing. Each flavor was totally unique, but combine one flavor with another and something new was created. The narrative starts with him on the streets. He's an outsider within the rat community because he's not satisfied with being a rat. He grew up in like the countryside with his little basically mafia family. His dad's supposed to be like Al Pacino looking and like he's the only one that wants to walk on his hind legs and he's been like blessed with this genetic mutation where he can smell and read. There's a lot of reaches the movie asks you to make that we just kind of like jump to where it's like, sure, this rat loves reading cookbooks. If someone gains sentience, like they would only want to go and read in a garden. Which I would love to get into any of these pitch meetings where it's like, okay, so our next Pixar film, we're going to need about a billion plus dollars. It's about a rat and the rat really wants to be a chef. And then he can be a chef, but he is a chef by controlling the body of a human man who lives under his hat. Now, stay with me. I feel like I'm losing some of you here. Team three will be handling fish. Team four, roasted items. Team five, grill. Team six, sausage. Get to your stations. Let's go, go, go. Those handling food will walk on two legs. I mean, it originally had a director that gave up on it because he thought it wasn't going to be successful. Yeah. And then the guy that finished it, Brad Bird, picked it up and he was like, you know what? He was onto something. We're going to push this rat envelope a little bit further and we're going to finish this project. <laughs> you know, it comes out in 2007 between Cars and Wally. Robot, rat, robot. <laughs> like, Wally. <laughs> Wally. It's like at Pixar, they have a giant wheel they spin of like, what are we going to stick human emotions on today? And it's just going to land on something. And they're going to be like, this new movie is about how fire gets sad when his dad is mean to him. (laughs) It's so crazy to think that they just have anything they can think of. They're like, let's give it human emotions. We'll give it a hero's journey and we'll make billions of dollars off this. That's really important because it's always something that is quite simple. It is always rooted in like a very simple projection of the heroes or English class 101. But at the same time, they've built these wild worlds around it in such a way that it just all feels so different and new and novel and like a world that you could be swept into. Make sure that steak is nice and tender. 
Sunrise. Work it, yeah. Stick and move, stick and move. Easy with that soul, Minier. Less salt, more butter. Only use the Mimolette cheese. Whoa, whoa, compose the sound like you were painting a picture. Not too much vinaigrette on that sour compose. Don't let that bad block separate. Keep whisking. What is it about Ratatouille that rips you as a person? I think it stuck with me so much because it was so queer coded. And I think I've always like rewatched it again through different lenses. And that's why it was so important to me because I was kind of like, wow, he's really subverted all expectations of rats. That's so amazing. <laughs> but then going back, you're like, he has to defy his family. He leaves the countryside to go make a career in like a larger city where he has to form a very codependent relationship with a coworker who's a man. And then he has to like subvert hierarchical fields by making friends with like women and the other chefs. There's just a lot to it that's really stuck with me. A more commentary on society, I think. And I like using cuisine as like a high industry field that's been built upon like male hierarchy and like the rules that it was given, basically. I think that's why it stuck with me because like it's not my favorite movie. It's just like these are the top movies that I think are perfect movies in my eyes. But Ratatouille is probably Miss, Miss Queen, Queen on top, sitting on the throne, on her little rat throne. She is your Ratatouille, both the film and the dish. <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm cutting vegetables. I'm cutting the vegetables. No, you waste energy and time. You think cooking is a cute job, eh? Like mommy in the kitchen? Well, mommy never had to face the dinner rush when the orders come flooding in and every dish is different and none are simple and all of the different cooking times but must arrive on the customer's table at exactly the same time. Hot and chocolate. Every second counts and you cannot be mommy. What is this? Uh, Keep your station clear. What will happen? Let the station slow things down. Food doesn't go, orders pile up, disaster. I'll make this easy to remember. Keep your station clear or I will kill you! When did you first watch Ratatouille? I watched it a lot as a younger kid and then I only really started really liking it. Probably high school is when I really was like, probably coming into my own queerness, I was like, wow, this little rat has really got the goods. Like, this is this movie. I don't know, you rewatch movies all the time and it doesn't have the same impact on you. How many times do you think you've watched it? I've probably lost count, but I would guess somewhere around like 13. It's a lot of times. It's definitely a comfort movie where you just flick it on. and That would be probably 26 hours. I don't like to quantify time. I really. <laughs> hours, 26 hours well spent. Okay. A whole day of my life just spent watching one film. I also really like all the fan theories. We can get into that too, but there's a lot of like theories outside of it that are brought into it that are really interesting and can like make the film mean a lot more than it already does. Well, I'm definitely interested in thinking about this narrative of Remy doing like the story of leaving your home behind, going to the big city to really find yourself as like an individual and like hopefully find a community that you know is out there, just yeah. not where you're at. And yeah. I don't know how many people have talked about that in relation to this movie. At least like critically talk about like the queerness of that narrative. My favorite quote from the movie is they talk about nature, what nature means to humans and kind of like deep in your biology, like if you're open to change or not, if things are good, if you should be changing things, if you should be like pushing yourself and like going towards like what your passion is. Take a good long look, Remy. Now this is what happens when a rat gets a little too comfortable around humans. The world we live in belongs to the enemy. We must live carefully. We look out for our own kind, Remy. When all is said and done, we're all we've got. No. Dad, I don't believe it. You're telling me that the future is, can only be, more of this? This 
is the way things are. You can't change nature. Change is nature, Dad. The part that we can influence. And it starts when we decide. It's kind of like that collective action of like the first brave person. And that's like, I think queerness too, of like the first person in your small town being like, you know what? The only change that's going to come is the one that I'm going to make. And it's going to be in a small way with my art. It also really brings into the fact that like when you do do that, you kind of like split yourself in half. I have a part of me that still loves my family and like can't change where I came from and grew up in the countryside as a poor little rat. But then also there's this new part of me where I've made like a beautiful life for myself doing what I love. But then they'll have to fight between like which version do I show to each person? How do I act in each space? How do I choose myself over my family? Choosing the life that I love with the art that I do Mm. over someone who needs me to smell their food for poison. Yeah. How do you feel that that story is through the arc of a rat? Love it. I love it. I love love that they were like, but we are going to make it walk on two feet just because... Just because that's a little fruity. Like he's going to walk with his little rat hands out. (laughs) He's got a little sugar in his tank. That is just the whole premise of his rat narrative. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's also part of a narrative of queerness of being marginalized or like you're here, but then also saying, you know what? This is the thing that makes me me. And I'm going to go off and do me in the way that I want to see fit. Yeah, it's true. He almost has a like DEL relationship with the guy. <laughs> you know, he's like secretly working with someone. They have this like beautiful relationship tied on more than just their work. Yeah. <sighs> That's another part I love is it takes place in France, which is so corny that it's like supposed to be like the romance capital of the world. And they like clearly put a rat there being like, we could do so much with love with this movie. Like French motif is all about mon amour, whatever French is. I don't really speak French, but there's only one love story in it. And there's like two characters, the rat and the food critic that both don't have love interests that are definitely the most queer coded. Mm -hmm. Oh, I only care about my art only because it's not really acceptable for me to have a romantic interest in the story. The world is often unkind to new towns. Talent, new creations. The new needs friends. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at Gusto's, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I will be returning to Gusto soon, hungry for more. In thinking about those two, they're also the ones who are the most influenced by a matriarch as opposed to the patriarch. The rat community that Remy comes from is very much about like the father kind of making the decisions. But in fact, the most important influence on him and the critic is the matriarch. So talk about another sense of rebellion of I refuse and reject this structure. I'm going to like care and family and like providing warmth and comfort and home, which both of those characters have to deal with these things and navigate. But the core is this way of being. You are spot on. That is so, <laughs> that's so true. And that goes kind of goes. Well, I the- only got that from you. You're the one who, you know, made me think about that. Yeah. I mean, because the fan theory is that like Remy grew up in the same house as the food critic did. Basically like when the food critic's mother becomes old, she's still cooking the same way. Remy learns to cook through her, watching her, reading her cookbooks. He makes the same meal for him. 
but you're right. I mean, it is like food is love. We show our love and care no matter what. Creation is like how we show attention to the things that we love. And Linguini also doesn't grow up with a, his father because Gusto is like off doing his chef dreams while his mother is the only one to raise him. So he's another one who's just, he has a maternal impact. Mm. Men with mommy issues, rats with mommy issues. Why does Pixar need to have a dead mom in everything? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is like an interesting phenomenon and we could talk about, well, it's got such impact, but I would really like to see women live that would be really nice yeah let bambi's mom knit a sweater or something let her take a dance class i just read a theory that the famous chef that starts the restaurant gusto also had a rat in his hat so he was also being controlled by a rat basically saying that the only reason linguini could get his hair pulled is because he got that genetically from his father who was also being controlled by a rat chef and that when his rat chef died he started making bad food and then died from the bad critiques what is the evidence (laughs) They say you can see a rat under his hat. I'm not going to go into all that. There's just a part (laughs) where they like basically put his little like chef hat in like a little glass box to like memorialize him. And he wants to do a DNA test to check if his son is really his son. And then he takes a hair from the hat of the original chef and he comes back and he goes, it's so weird. The first time I did the test, like it came back as rodent. Okay. Being like, there are rodent hairs in this hat. There's rodent hairs all over. And then the guy thinks he's going crazy because like he thinks people are like placing evidence around. But what is the pleasure in the fan theory, do you think? I think it's like got so many fan theories because people really want to make it mean more than it already means to them. And when a film can actually do that, I think it's like very beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it makes you feel like important that you were out here thinking about details that somebody else might have missed. Thank God Remy stopped to make, in the famous words of Adam Driver... What if Remy didn't save the soup? So to start off, the soup would have been sent out and most likely got the restaurant another bad review and possibly lose another star. It is like I think about, you know, the text living on. The fact that you can like talk about it. And I, I'm always like so surprised by some of the things that people come up with. And I'm also sometimes, eh, I don't know about that. But I feel like it means a lot if you want to spend a lot of time kind of thinking about the possibilities and building new worlds upon new worlds. And I also think that like making art and making like beautiful things can be resistant and radical. Yeah, they have that line in Rent that's like the opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation. Mm -hmm. Instead of destroying things, like making something is really the peak humanity of what we can all achieve. It's your mom. I have a question about that podcast you do. Are you on the Instagram or the Twitter or the Facebook? You know, like if I have an idea for a podcast, how do I get in touch with you? Love you. Bye. Sup, mom? Uh, yeah. So you can find us on all those things, actually. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just go to PopQuestPod on any one of those and follow. If you want to send us ideas, you can either go over to our website and leave us a message at PopQ Podcast, or you can get us directly at PopQ at Drexel.edu. You can actually find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, I can help set it up when I get home, but then you have to promise me to rate and review. All right. Love you. Bye. This movie might have come before your time, but did you ever watch An American Tale? It was about a mouse who came from Russia and about 
the Jewish American experience in the U.S. So they went to New York first and lived in like mouse tenements. And then they moved out west for westward expansion and had like a whole life there. But it was another example of rodents being used as a means to talk about human experience. Certainly will be tuning in because my family are Russian Jews that immigrated to New York. Yeah. And I would love to project onto a mouse because that's my favorite thing to do is handling my feelings through rodent. (laughs) It's like, yeah, your whole life can be summarized by these iconic tales. That's so fascinating. Yeah. In terms of thinking about Pixar in particular, like what was your I want to make it very clear I am not a Disney adult, okay? I do not want to come on here and talk about Disney or the mega conglomerate that Disney has become and bought up all of our media. No, I think my first pick was probably Bugs Life. Oh, okay. My parents really liked it. I watched it all the time as a kid. It had, like, really great meaning and message, and that, like, poo-poo platter joke really sticks out in my mind for some reason. Hey, who wanted the poo-poo platter? But that's definitely, like, baby's first Pixar. I mean, the first one was Toy Story. Which, if you were not there for it, was a, I mean, that just did a real overhaul of everything. But Bugs Life is like, I think, a really good one. Because to me, as like a little kid, I remember thinking like, this seems really complicated for a child's movie. I'm understanding it, but I also feel like there's more happening than just these ants. I knew that I wasn't old enough, but I knew that it was working on levels. And I think that's what Pixar has been particularly good at, at kind of working on levels. I feel like they say they hide these themes for kids, but I feel like they're really hiding the themes for adults because like... I feel like adults have a lot more time wrapping their head around like division and then like having it be about ants and grasshoppers is way easier than race. You know what yeah. I mean? And also just collective action and like the power of binding together to fight evil forces. I mean, you've clarified, you've defined that you are not a Disney adult, but do you like follow through the Pixar timeline? I mean, I'm not a Disney adult, but I love good animation. And so like, okay. yes, I am tuning into Pixar to see a lot of money put into a film. You know, like I'm really trying to see that budget. I'm trying to see that well thought out plot. I'm trying to see that writer's room cook up some magic. What is your rubric for a good animated film? Like, what are you check, check, checking off your list? I mean, I need to see forethought and like connection. Especially for like a kid's movie, something like Bugs Life really took a lot of thought into like, how are we going to create like a contrast theme of controlling like a lower group or like collective action, like you were saying, like, how do we like turn that into something that's like, yeah, cute, but like loops back around to like a real thing. Like Ratatouille is the biggest instance where I can think of a lot of like subverted thought Mm -hmm. put into action via like goofy animation. So I don't necessarily need it to be like the Avatar movie where they spent $3 billion to make amazing effects, but I definitely need to see like creative control and like seeing someone really like passionate about making like a storyline that like really wraps around 
So is it about being able to be swept away by the film? Do you want to be scooped into the fantasy? Is it for you about being able to escape, which means having like all the visuals, having all the story? I want to be the rat cooking the food. I want to smell <laughs> the food that I'm cooking in France with the French music and the French lighting. Like I want the whole atmosphere. Like I can think of like maybe something else like Moana that does that. That's very hero's journey, but really brings you into this universe of beautiful music and water scenes. Yeah, definitely like a microcosm niche feeling from each film. I mean, if we're talking about the fantasy of Toy Story, it would be like friendship, you know, community and all that. But I'd rather maybe go to France. Yeah, I would definitely rather smell a fresh grape <laughs> than... <laughs> than Buzz Lightyear's set packs. Now, thank you all for your kind welcome. Say, what's that button do? I'll show you. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Oh. Hey, Woody's got something like that. His is a pool strike. Only, only it sounds like a car ran over. Uh, I think the point of this film is to either make you laugh or to make you cry. And I think if your entertainment isn't doing that, it's not good entertainment. That is entertainment to me, like evoking a connection to something through a human emotion. A feeling. Yeah. I hate to brag, but I'm a very emotionally intelligent man and I cry <laughs> every movie. I'm I, sobbing. Like, I don't know. Inside Out had me in tears. Up had me yeah. in tears. I'm a ve like, very quick to cry. That's how I solve most of my problems. Just <laughs> tears streaming down my face. And I, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to like go home and like think about a movie, you have had to have some emotional response. Like it's almost like a good first date. You have to have like some sort of emotional trigger. If it was flatlining the whole time, you're like... Mm. Not much to remember, but if he made me cry, I'm never going to forget him. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's the best first date. Yeah, I'm definitely not one to go to a movie, though, for like a love story that'll make you cry. You know, I'm not really like a notebook kind of girl where I'm like, yeah, I really can't wait to sit down and think about hetero love breakups and sob. I don't know. I'll go to like a kid's movie. I'll be like, I can't wait to cry through Cars too, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> that pickup truck. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> What is it that, because you're an environmental science, and I and I know that there's a lot more to it than just birds, yeah. but what is your beat, so to speak? Contaminants, like dangerous chemicals in the ground and water. Just, you know, saving the world. Getting them out and hopefully not putting them back in. Do you think, as somebody who is interested in contamination and the environment, do you think that ratatouille is a root? Are you trying to sniff the poison in people's food? I mean, I am really obsessed with the new frontier of science and gene editing and gene modification through contamination of how we're all basically going to get cancer from our exposure to the contaminants we've made. We are the ones adding all of these new man-made chemicals into the ground that will result in some form of mutation in something. It just seems to me that you liked Bugs Life and Ratatouille is your Pixar films. And they're both very central to the natural world no. and the relationship between society and nature. No, definitely. I love movies that take into account the natural world. It also kind of reads into maybe from the environmental science perspective, not really thinking that humans are the apex of all species on Earth. People usually assume that wow. humans are, you know, because they're so smart and because we've got thumbs and like can critically think that they are just the most suited for this planet and that they are like the top dog. But like basically a biological evaluation is like if you can fill your niche 
you are the top species. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people argue like bacteria is the most important or like, Mm. you know what I mean? If rodents can survive underneath humans and like make us work for them in a sense of eating trash and like occupying this niche that we've created, it's like you're more successful than humans because you'll probably survive longer than we do. Do you have any final words about Ratatouille? Last closing thought is the rat's name is Remy. The rat's name is not Ratatouille. (laughs) Well, thanks, Clay. This has been super fun. And I've had a whole worldview changed after this. I'm going to spend a lot more time thinking about it. I really appreciate it. Now I'm going to have to rewatch it. I think I might too. I think I might too. Pop the Question was researched and hosted by Dr. Melinda Lewis. Our theme music and episodes are produced by Brian Kantorik with additional audio production by Noah Levine. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy-Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paula Moranz-Cohen, and the Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. I do. I honestly do. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about?